Welcome to the Inquisitive BC. Today I'm speaking to Drew Austin. Drew is the managing partner of Redbeard Ventures, where he invests in Web3 infrastructure and frontier technologies. He is also the former CEO and founder of Wade and Wendy. Today we talk about how Drew got into crypto and NFTs, what he looks for when buying NFTs, the loot project, NFTs on other chains, and much more. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Firstly, thanks for joining me. I love Redbeard Ventures portfolio. I think it's one of the most exciting funds coming up. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. We got a lot of good stuff still coming out, man. It's we're dropping fire right now. Yeah, you definitely are. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought it would be great to start with essentially how you entered the world of crypto and NFTs uh, from your you know background as an entrepreneur. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I started investing in Bitcoin in 2013, actually. I remember I bought my first Bitcoin um, by, I was in I was in Long Island at the, where my family lives. And I had to meet someone in a car, um, scan their QR code and hand them cash. We like met on like localbitcoins.com or something like that. And that was the first transaction I ever made with Bitcoin. And um, yeah, so I've been, I've been following it ever since. Um, I got really interested in the concept of, of scarce digital collectibles from the day I heard about the blockchain. Um, I'm a collector, like I collect action figures, uh, autographs, sports memorabilia, sports cards, art, everything. Um, so the concept of digital collectibles just made total sense to me. Um, so I, I always paid attention to the space. Um, and then around 2018, I found out about Super Rare and I bought my first piece of art there. Um, so that's what got me into NFTs. And I've been buying that. That really like set me down the path. Started buying a bunch of art. Um, 2019, bought a bunch of pieces. Um, and then uh, then really started expanding my NFT collection. NBA Top Shot was the, first, was the next project that I really dove deep into. Um, so NBA Top Shot, uh, I got in early and just built up a really big portfolio and got some great assets before, you know, the, the real movement um, hit and, you know, it became one, probably my most valuable uh, investment I've ever made, like legitimately, it was like it was like 100x. Uh, investment for me. And then, um, and then from there, you know, I got very deep into Zed Run. Um, that was another big investment that I, I built up a stable on and really truly believe in, you know, long-term, uh, in a long-term investment perspective. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my crypto uh, approach. And then, you know, from an uh, venture perspective, I was, a, I've been a founder since I was like 19 years old. Um, so I've always been a CEO and a founder of different companies. And uh, most recently, I just saw Sold my uh, my last software company, um, which was an AI um, recruitment process automation software uh, platform for enterprise organizations, and we sold that company to Pando Logic, which then recently sold to a publicly traded company called Veritone. Um, that all happened within the last three months or so. But about a year ago, I knew I was going to be moving. I was going to be like going through the process of selling the company, and I knew I wanted to get into venture next. So I started up a venture capital syndicate on AngelList. I knew a bunch of um, friends that were in the space that were that were founders and were also balancing doing venture investments through AngelList. So I thought it was something I could handle. Um, and uh, and then from there, I um, and then from there, I uh, started the VC syndicate, and it just took off. We uh, Super Air was our first deal. And in like the last 12, it, we literally are 12 months this week, I think, 12 months of deal, uh, where the syndicate's now been around for about a year. 
We have about 1,900 LPs. We did about 45 deals, over 20 million deployed capital. It was really crazy first 12 months. So it was really exciting. I didn't even realize how much it would take off. And, and then now we're going to move to our big, building up a fund. That's the next step. So that's like, we're going to go from there. That's amazing. Yeah, those numbers are incredible for, you know, one-year-old syndicate. So congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I guess for the uh, listeners who are still quite fresh with NFTs, um, and you've been doing it for a while now, can you give your best explanation on why NFTs matter and how they actually have value? So NFTs, well, I mean, I guess the reason, the, the number one reason why they matter is because it creates, uh, it creates um, scarce, transparent assets out of content out of digital content, and that did not exist before this. So the fact that we can now um, create um, transparency in the, the scarce, in the amount of supply we produce of a digital asset, um, it just changes everything. We can now, you know, you can now, now supply and demand comes into play with every piece of content that's produced and tokenized. So to me, that just opens up an entirely new monetization path for content. And it's, it's pretty exciting. And when you're looking into, I guess, some of these new NFT projects, what are the key things that you're looking for? Because it seems to be, you know, a massive growth in that area. How do you pick out, you know, the gems? I, I kind of take, um, I kind of take a venture approach to it almost uh, in some, in some of them, like, so the way I approach it is I'm, I'm very comfortable taking like a, a speculative, like, Hey, let me go dabble with this one, buy a couple, don't make a huge bet, but get exposure to, to a wide, broad approach. Um, but then once I like get my hands dirty in a project and I start to get into the community and understand the vision and speak to the team and all of those kinds of things, that's when I'll decide if I want to go deeper. So, you know, that's been pretty much the way I've approached all of these NFT projects. So like, you know, Top Shot, I started by buying some, a few moments. And then the more I got into the community, the more I learned about the team, the more I spoke to the team, um, the more I understood the vision and more of, I believed in the, the, their, their ability to execute over the long term. So, you know, my approach has really been like, I, my, I primarily want to invest in projects that I think can sustain long-term. Um, if it's more of a project that I think is more of a speculative bet and I just want to get exposure to it and learn, I'm more comfortable trading in and out of those. Um, but the, 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 the ones that I feel that have long-term legs and are doing things unique and, and paving the path and, and innovating I, I, with great teams behind them and uh, great creative and great tokenomics, et cetera, that's what I'm really looking for. So you know, I think like things like, you know, for example, CryptoPunks to me was, an, was a no-brainer. Um, CryptoPunks is a no-brainer because of the historical value um, and the legacy of what they've done is one of the earliest NFTs um, or the one of the, most, the earliest Ethereum NFTs that have, you know, that have really rose the ranks and kind of led the PFP movement. Um, Board 8, for example, I didn't mint Board 8. I actually held off on that because I thought at the first it was another knockoff of CryptoPunks because I, I was seeing a lot of that. And then I got in very quickly after. I think the first ones I bought were like about 0.2 ETH. And um, I got in quickly because I saw how powerful um, and how you know, strong the community took to this concept of giving out commercial rights. Um, the fact that it was that they gave out commercial rights and they were the first ones who really kind of made that a big part of their narrative. Um, you know, I, then I realized I wasn't just betting on the board eight team, I was betting on the entire community to create projects and to create businesses and create initiatives that are going to build the brand of board eight. So to me, that took of an, uh, that, that took a life of its own. I, I kept my finger to the pulse and realized it was time to make a bigger bet. So, you know, that at that point I bought more of the pub of the apes. Um, you know, for example, gutter cats is another project that I, I took too early. 
um, you know, simply because I thought that they took a different approach on the supply side. I thought they kept, they kept their supplies, their supply low, um, you know, copied a lot of what they've seen in terms of what was working in terms of community development and the avatar project. And uh, I saw the community take a real passionate approach to it as well. But with that lower supply number, you know, being 3000 instead of the normal 10,000 that a lot of these other projects were doing, I felt that, the, that with that community and that path and kind of really kind of filling a spot as number three in the avatar space, um, you know, I thought that was also a nice bet to be able to make and it has turned out well. Um, and then, you know, I look into other projects. I think the Art Blocks project has been transformative and bringing in new technology and like, as a new art medium. Um, I'm always looking for new art, new artists that I think are either up and coming or are, uh, I've already built out a prominent brand. Um, you know, I, there's just a ton of artists that I follow that I, that I try to collect as much as I can and acquire the assets of. Um, and then um, from there, I would say that, uh, yeah, and I think the next biggest thing that's going to be out there is play to earn. You know, I, I'm really looking for gaming assets as well. I think that's going to be the next big movement. That's really interesting. Have you managed to wrap your head around um, the loot project and and what's kind of got people hyped about that? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I so it took me a while as well. I, I didn't jump in right away. Um, I missed a lot of the bull run there and I think I got in in the middle. So I'm probably around even in that project because it spiked up like crazy and now it's went back down, et cetera. Um, so overall, I'm probably even. and I don't think I've made much on that, but like I thought it was interesting. So it took me a while. And then one night I kind of went into a black hole, really just trying to like understand it all. And I, I started to realize that this was interesting for a couple perspectives. A, it became like a pro, almost like an infrastructure to build games on top of. Um, so by using these like shared attributes and using a shared currency, um, people can build all sorts of games by leveraging that type of foundation. Um, you know, the, the, the reality is though, is like, listen, it's first and maybe it holds its test of time in that, in the fact that they came out with something new and different. I don't think a lot of people will get it. Um, and I think that's going to hold it from getting mass adoption until I think third party developers or third party creators can really build some meaningful projects out of it. And then that could take it to a whole nother um, stratosphere. If, it, if, if, it, if they decide to do, do that, I think really quickly, we saw a lot of knockoffs. So like, you know, Beanie came out with Blute, um, which immediately, you know, became like a, almost like a competition in a weird way. Um, and I also bet on the, uh, I took a little stake in Blute as well, just because I could see how people that have lots of projects and lots of uh, initiatives can incorporate that into their world. So that kind of made sense to me. But, you know, overall, I mean, this is a lot of experience. Like, I'm not going deep in either of those projects. Like, those are scratch the surface for me, um, get familiar and start to understand them a little bit. Uh, there are other people that are going much deeper into those. I'm not ready to do that yet because I can't tell if it's just uh, a craze and a frenzy around this new idea, but then the idea get, could very quickly evolve and um, another version of that can really take its place pretty quickly. If the Because I don't think they've built a moat yet out of the developer and community yet. I think it's pretty much a portable community at this point. So to me, um, I think they have something and I think they've created something groundbreaking from that idea at the, uh, at the foundational level. But, you know, it's easy to fork. It's an open source project. And as we can see, other people are already mimicking it. So I, I don't know if there's enough of a moat yet. We'll see. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, it's definitely an interesting one. Um, what are your thoughts on, I guess, uh, NFTs on other chains like Solana and Tezos and even Flow? There's yeah. a, you know, most of the activity is still on Ethereum, but do you think like those other ones will start to pick up soon? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that, um, I think that 
couple things. I think one, that uh, Solana, I think Ethereum's gas fees are astronomical and becoming a huge problem. Um, and unless we figure out new solutions to do these NFT drops, um, they're gonna start, the drops are gonna start to fail completely and going to, people are gonna stop doing them uh, unless we come up with a new way to mint and, and, and except because these gas wars are just, I mean, you just saw seven, I don't know if you saw the seven drop, um, you know, 1,000 yeah. of, of their NFTs went to one person. The gas was hitting $8,000. Someone saw 12,000. It's just, it's, it's, it's completely, I mean, luckily we're, we're basically all playing it with monopoly money and most of us who have been in the space for a while. So the whole thing is ridiculous, but like, this is not scalable. This is going to completely inhibit adoption. Um, and it's going to open the door for someone like Solana to come in and be able to, to, to be able to take some market share, take some headspace from people, um, which is almost unfortunate in a way, because like, I, I, I believe in theory. And I believe in its long-term vision and its and 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 what it stands for. And I do think that everything will ultimately tie back to Ethereum as like the store of record in terms of like the true like kind of like decentralized minting um, blockchain. But I do think that there. Listen, Poly, when when Zed Run moved to Polygon and Matic, that was what opened up the game. No one used it until they moved to Polygon. Um, it's because you, you know you couldn't use you can't have every transaction <laughs> be charging you more than you can make money in a race. Um, so right now, Ethereum is completely not yet suited for scale. Um, it's, but it's still the, the, it's still the leader, but I do think that there's a lot of room for opportunity. I mean, listen, the, the team that built Dapper, the built, um, Flow, Dapper Labs, I mean, they saw firsthand with the first widely adopted, um, NFT project in CryptoKitties, uh, what all the limitations were. And they went, they set out to build their own blockchain. They built Flow. And I think Flow is going to be a, another major player, especially in like consumer applications. So, you know, Ethereum was built more for DeFi. You know, whereas, um, you know, I think that Flow is really targeting more of a consumer application and collectible market. What I'm wondering is, will the consumer met? Will the consumer care? Will they care if it's on Ethereum or Flow or Solana as long as there's transparency and scarcity and the concept of the blockchain takes place? And if that's the case, if we start, it in the, it, I, I, I used to think they would care. But now because of the problems Ethereum is showing, I'm starting to see that more and more people are willing to take bets on some of the NFTs and I myself included, like I have some Solana NFTs, I have some Flow NFTs. I have, um, uh, those are the only two I think I have outside of, of um, Solana and Flow are the only ones I really have right now outside of Ethereum. But like the fact that I have those and I collect them and I have them and I'm storing them and I feel like I, you know, I have that ownership feeling of them means that it's transferable. It's not like it's, a, I'm only gonna feel that if it's an Ethereum, it's not gonna feel genuine if it's not Ethereum. Yep. And if that's, the, if that's the case, then that does us open us up for some disruption. And I think that's why we're seeing the Solana token go crazy right now. Yep, no, I agree with you um, on those points. I think gas is just ridiculous at this point. <laughs> um, I guess a little bit to your venture side, I'd love to hear what companies you're looking at for Redbeard Ventures. It's not just NFTs and crypto. I, I imagine it's a lot more than that. Well, so about eighty percent of our block of our of our venture capital syndicate, um, which is like you know open to the public for like you know if you're an accredited investor and you want to invest in startups, I think it's a great way to do it. It's all on AngelList. I think for us, you can go to Redbeard.ventures and you can check it out. Um, you can it's free to it's free to register for. It's free to back the deal to 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 see the deal flow, and then you can choose which investments you want to make, and you get to invest in the companies at the earliest stages. Which I'm a big believer in that. I think we're all heading towards a path of becoming. Um, 
kind of uh, becoming alternative asset investors. I think the whole world is becoming an angel investor. If you think about it, we kind of moved from the customer economy to the subscriber economy, now to the shareholder economy. That's what this whole, this whole movement's about. And uh, so, so that's first, I think it's a really exciting time for angel investing is that we you have now, you know, the ability to get into deals that, you know, only the top VCs would, would be able to get, get into in the past. Um, we do also 80% have been blockchain focused, 20% have been frontier technology, things like robotics and space and uh, climate and biotech, et cetera. Um, but then the other 80% have been blockchain focused. We've invested in a lot of different metaverse plays where our approach right now is to stay broad on the metaverse side. So, um, you know, our, you know, we've invested in Sandbox. Uh, we've invested in Superworld because of their AR component. I think there's an element of that. I think Sandbox on their virtual real estate side and the gaming component is going to be really big. I think that uh, we're going to see a lot of also a lot of other interesting progress in, you know, we were invested in Upland. We're invested in Green Park Sports. One I'm really excited about that we're investor in is Wilder World that did like an unreal engine like photo realistic metaverse that is just absolutely stunning so there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on there we're invested in different nft marketplaces like you know of course like dapper labs that's built you know nba top shot we've built we're investors in super rare we're invested in genies we're invested in we're invested in um uh let's see what else you know we're invested in some uh you know crypto like you know DeFi plays as well we're invested in some things in the dow tech stack like parcel um, that's doing the treasury management. We're in, so you know, it's a lot of, you know, everything that's kind of like, you know, helping us drive adoption and drive more, you know, my belief right now is that like, we're in the early days of this, of this movement, but I'm watching the internet get rebuilt from the ground up. And it's exciting to be at the ground floor of it, helping fund the companies that are building this internet. No doubt. Those sound like some great companies. What's the secret obsession of yours that not many people know about? Well, I, so it's funny. I used to be a huge action figure collector, 90s and 80s action figures and autographs memorabilia. But now I'm now because of the, the digital collecting, all my attention goes there. So and because it, it takes up a lot less space. <laughs> and in Brooklyn, you space matters. Um, so that's, you know, one thing I'm, you know, I, I've all I'm also I just, right now, my obsession has just been, you know, I've been, I'm, I spend every night pretty much after my kid and my wife go to sleep. I'm up from 9pm to three in the morning, just like, exploring this whole nft landscape and learning about it and and uh that's really where i spend most of my time right now honestly that's like it's just there's so much to understand so much to learn um and you really i to me it's you really got to get your hands dirty and get involved in the community is to really learn this stuff so like if you're not obsessed with this right now like there's you're, you're probably not getting it because the minute you get it you become obsessed and it's it's just an obvious obsession yeah no i hear you it took me a while to wrap my head around nfts but once i got it yeah, I've been spending a lot of time between Discord, OpenSea, and Twitter. So yeah, that's all the questions I had, Drew. Thanks so much for jumping on. Really appreciate your time. And I enjoyed um, talking to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, buddy.